Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Andy Addis, and special guest, Mark Clifton. We plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. But Lord, when will your harvest come in? I'm giving all I've got to give in the place where I've been sent. But will my labor make much difference in the end? Will no one ever know? Sometimes that forgotten little town to a room of empty peers where his love can still be found you may never know of all the seeds you sow but it just takes one willing soul to make him Mm-mm, just one willing soul. That's why we're here at the Rural Pastor Podcast, because we know you are that one willing soul. And hopefully you're gathering many around you to do ministry. Man, we love the fact that you are joining with us here. My name is Andy Addis, and I'm the volunteer rural strategist for the North American Mission Board Replant Team. And I am here with our guest co-host, and his name is Mr. Hey. Yes, Mark I'll let Clifton. you do your own. Yeah, <laughs> get anxious. Hey, I'm Mark. Glad to have you guys and ladies with us. It's good to hear from you. Uh, that you're enjoying this podcast because, man, we really enjoy providing this podcast. It's the highlight of our week. And one of the reasons we enjoy doing it is because we have recognized the fact that that the rural pastor, the rural ministry, just doesn't get the the pat on the back that they deserve and that everybody needs to keep going. I mean, we all do it for the Lord. There's no no denying that. But every now and then, you just got to have somebody who says, hey, thanks for slugging it out out there. I know. There. It's always like everything important happens somewhere bigger than where I am <laughs> and bigger than where I live. And that is absolutely not true. But uh, we just want to affirm that the work you're doing and the place in which you are doing it it matters a great deal, and you matter a great deal. And you're part of this big brotherhood. I know we talk about isolation, Andy, and you feel isolated. And in a sense, you're isolated geographically. But my goodness, if you could ever just if you could ever wrap our minds around what happens every Sunday morning across North American continent when tens of thousands of guys get into pulpits that are rural and small-town pulpits— and, and proclaim the Word of God to less than 100 people. Mm. It's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of you. It's a huge brotherhood. You're yeah. not small in that, and you're not, you're not isolated in that sense. You may be isolated geographically, but, man, you're part of an amazing brotherhood. And we're hoping that this podcast helps close that gap so yeah. they, they, they feel some of that brotherhood. The Rural Pastor Podcast has a desire to pour into, to partner with, and pat on the back the Rural Pastor Reminding you that what you do is important, and we are currently on a journey. Uh, there has been a book that we've been talking about being released, and it is uh, a little bit of the Crosspoint story, which is the multi-site rural network of churches that I pastor. And um, and we keep saying it's coming out, it's coming out. There's a link on the website. You can pre-register, but we, we're pretty sure, pretty sure that within the scope of this podcast that it will be released. Right, and we're doing this podcast uh, in early August of... 
2022. Right. So whether or not uh, you, you hear this now or then, if right. you go to the website, you'll either be able to download the book, order the book, or uh, see a link to connect with the book. Yep. And uh, and uh, it's called Doing More Together, and, uh, and we can't wait for you to get a part of that. Now, these episodes that we're in right now are actually going through some of those principles. And the principle that we're looking at today is called people follow leaders, not plans. Isn't that the truth? It is. And because of that, I want to ask you, what is the worst decision or one of the worst decisions or ideas that you've ever had oh, man, in ministry? Oh man, I've had so many bad plans. <laughs> so Haven't many we all? bad plans. Yeah. I know. In fact, someone once told me, quit Quit calling them plans and call them experiments because half of them don't work out anyway. And, and you so you're the pastor of research and development. I'm the pastor well. of R and D. I wake up in a new world every day, and uh, I've got a new idea every day. And uh, most of them are of my own flesh and not of the Holy Spirit. But uh, now we did we did a sort of a, a country music themed church, and I decided to use cable television and. We did some TV spots, and uh, I thought it'd be cute to add a little tag on the end of every TV spot. Okay. Yeah, so we said, uh, our handbell choir uses cowbells. That was fun. Oh. <laughs> Let me just ask the question. I already know yeah. the answer. How'd yeah. that work out for it, you? It was kind of silly. Yeah. It was kind of, and then we also said, though, that our, uh, our um, well, your Easter bonnet is a Stetson. We said that. <laughs> and. And you went full on country with that. I went we went we went full on full on country with that. Yeah, we did. We call it the Great Plains Church. And uh yeah, it was uh, it has some good, but I look back at it now and I think, oh, that was really pretty pretty corny. Uh, Man. I know there's you know. people with other um, uh, experiences, I'm sure, but uh, I have two, and one of them is exactly in the same vein that you were talking about. One of the first things that I did at the church that I'm serving right now as a brand new pastor was I was just sure that if we could get commercials on cable TV, people would know where we were. Well, back then, I could get commercials. Seriously, guys, I, you can't do it now, but back then, you could buy commercials on cable TV cheaper than radio. Oh wow! It's like a buck and a half, two bucks a shot, right? Yeah. See, that would be that to me. That would be worth it. Even and can at I just a fail. be honest with you? And my wife told me this. She said, "Mark, you're just doing this because you're vain. You just because I did, I did, I, I did the audio for the, my own spots. Gotcha. She goes, you just set up late at night so you can hear your voice say, our handbell choir uses cowbells.' And you know what? She was probably right. Well, this is, for me, it was back in 2002, so 20 years ago. Uh, and no vanity in this because I wasn't, they were professionally produced, and then somebody put a tag on the end of it with their own voiceover. But we spent back then, which was a fortune, five grand to put these on TV. Five yeah. grand yeah. on TV. Yeah. And I can tell you, let me do the math real quick. Five. We had zero responses. <laughs> not a one. You know, there's not lost people out there whose lives have crashed around them, whose uh, spouses have left them, who are up to their eyeballs in debt, who are addicted to all kinds of substances, who are saying, I want to go to that church because their, their handbell uses cowbells. That sounds so funny. That's not going to happen. It's so not going to happen. It. So that was a dumb thing I did. One of the many dumb things that I've And you're going if you're going to lead well, you're going to do some silly things, right? Yes. You're going to fall off every now and then. You are definitely going to do that. Now, yeah. I remember once I got to share this one. This one is less about humor and this is more about just cleansing my soul if I okay. can just share this with All you. Right. There was a time when I was a long-haired youth pastor and I used to have, you know, before my hair fell out on top, it was long in back and uh -huh. uh, and we loved the 
the big Christian concert stuff, we'd go do that. And I was just convinced that we could get our little hymn singing country church mm-hmm. to just embrace real Christian music, That's that it would it change would everything. That's yeah, right. That. And so we did a contemporary Christian music appreciation night. And I remember forcing those senior adults to listen to some, I mean, hard Christian rock stuff and try and explain it to them. This is why this is good. And every now and then on shuffle, those songs pop through. And yeah. I am just ashamed and yeah. embarrassed what I, I did I that night. I would have bought a ticket to that show. <laughs> I, I they were so sweet just sitting there putting up with it. Oh, oh it's bad. Uh, well, know. we've all done things, right? Well, that's true. And we'll do more. <laughs> If we, if we do it right, we're going to do, do it right, right. We'll do more. So let us encourage you with this. People follow leaders, not plans. And part of that is that they go through the ups and the downs with you. Um, we can run on a title for a while. When you come in as a, a new pastor or a new youth pastor, or, uh, people will, will follow you because you have the title. But that's only for a little while. Uh, leadership runs. I have a mentor. as a, He's a, the director of missions for the Heart of Kansas Association. His name is Glenn Davis. And he says that leadership runs at the speed of trust. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important that we spend the time with the relational equity and we actually learn how to lead because people want to follow um, leaders and, and not necessarily plan. So let me, in the book, I outline this one story. And I want to tell you, I've been, as of this fall, will be 20 years in the same place. I've All only right. pastored one other church, which was the church I pastored in seminary. Uh, so I, I, I've, got some, I've got some time on the clock with these guys. But about four or five years in, you know, you're still dealing with, uh, are they going to follow? And we were starting to grow. We had outgrown our facility. We couldn't afford to build a new one. So we had this weird idea. We're going to move into a big A auto parts store, right? Big, big A auto parts. Right. Was yeah. it vacant or there's still auto parts It in was there? vacant. Oh, well, that's but, good. But you could tell that's you, what it was. You, know, you could <laughs> smell it, couldn't you? The grease and all that is still in there, that smell. Absolutely. And so it was a strange idea. People think, video what? Why are we going to be across town? Are we get built? Sell- no, we're not selling this one. We're in addition. And we're having one of those big meetings where everybody shows up, church business meeting, 300 people show up to this business meeting. And a guy stands up and he says, I'm tired of cussing and discussing. His name was Fred Hofflinger. He says, I'm tired of cussing and discussing this, Pastor. If this is what God's told you to do, then let's do it. And I remember thinking, man, I have never been given that kind of privilege in my life. And then the same breath, also feeling the Holy Spirit telling me, tell him the truth, (laughs) which was... I don't know. That was it. I said... Fred, I really appreciate that, but um, I think it's a good idea, but I can't blame God for this. I I, I just don't know. I I said, I know we're supposed to do something, and this seems like the best, and you could just feel the air get sucked out of the room, and Fred stood back up, shook his head, and he goes, good enough for me, Pastor. I vote yes. (laughs) And that was a turning point for us, because you could tell. They were like, we'll follow you. You're dumb. You're dumb. We'll follow you, but, but, but we, because we love you and we trust you, and we know you have, uh, we know you have our best interest, the community's best interest. The relationship. You know, in replant, we talk about being a visionary shepherd, mm. and sometimes we just are heavy on the vision and light on the shepherd. Mm-hmm. And your sheep will follow you only to the degree that they trust you, and they trust you as you live life with them and and enjoy them uh, and the joys they have and share. In the sorrows that they have, and you, uh, and so really, you know, they'll follow. As you say, they'll follow your title for a brief while, but if you're their shepherd, I mean, if, and you are the anointed under shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd, but you're the anointed under. And listen, guys, I don't want to be too harsh here, but if your people aren't following you, 
don't be mad at them. Take a moment, step back, and go, what am I not doing as a shepherd that causes them to trust me? And, and some of them may not be regenerate. I mean, that you know, they're not going. Sheep aren't going to follow other you. Issues, yeah. yeah, if you're if they're not regenerate, they're not going to follow you. But don't just assume anybody who doesn't follow you is not regenerate. <laughs> Hold off on that one. All yeah, right? let's tweet that out. Yeah, right let's now. tweet that out. That's that's not going to work very well. But you know, a lot of these sheep have been wounded. They've been hurt. They've had shepherds leave them astray before, and so they're skeptical. And so you come in, and I come in, and we go, man, we're going to do this cool thing with music, or changing this, mm. or doing that. And they and and what we need to do is come in and just say, I'm going to spend a few years loving these people, getting to know who they are, and discipling them in Jesus, and going through life with them. Yeah. Look, if you're as a pastor of a normative-sized church, if you're not there when they have surgery, if you're not there when their child is born, if you're not there at at the basketball games watching their kid play, I mean. We, we, at the church where I serve now, uh, i got a wonderful guy who serves as our pastor there. I, I'm the teaching pastor, but Howie is the, the pastor on site. We've had some people visit our church. We only have about 25 members. Right. We have about 50 or 60, 70 in attendance, so we got a lot of people who are attending that aren't members, and that's kind of always exciting. But one of these people who just been attending from time to time, they had a kid playing wrestling. He was wrestling in, in a long way away, another school a long way away, and Howie went. The parents saw him, and they said, what are you doing here? He said, I came to watch, watch your boy wrestle. You came all this way? Sure. Mm. I mean, you start shepherding. I don't shepherding people like that. And he went because he really cared about these people. Absolutely. And they weren't a project. They weren't a project. Right. And this wasn't a strategy to get them to join the church. It was a way to be a pastor and love and shepherd people and be where they are and be in their life. And if you do that, eventually, even the hardest of folks, they will begin to, to, to soften Mm. And the Holy Spirit will begin to draw them toward Him and then lead them to follow you. And that's when you start leading at the speed of trust, is what we were talking about And that can take a long time. In fact, I I saw some notes you sent me about our mutual friend who invested so much in so many people, Mm. uh, and Doyle Smith. Doyle Smith. And And what did Doyle Smith—tell them a little bit about Doyle. Well, that's actually what we're going to do, is I want to go through—I've got five things, because like if you say— I want to have that experience where Fred Hofflinger stands up and says, we'll just follow you. Well, you can't make that happen. No. That that, that happens because other things happen. Exactly. Right? And uh, Doyle Smith, so we're going to talk about those five quickly in just a second here, but Doyle Smith, when, I remember when I he was my pastor growing up in okay. the same place for more than 40 years in Great Bend, Kansas. Okay. And uh, and I remember saying, Doyle, I'm going to be a pastor. I go, I've been called. I'm going to be the pastor in Hutchinson, Kansas. And I remember he looking at me and goes, No. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean no? And they've already taken the vote. He goes, well, you'll go serve there, but you won't be the pastor for about eight years. Eight years. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, I hope this is one of those times he was wrong. But he was not. Now, they followed the title for a while, and there was a struggle. I had a continual struggle with, the, oh, he's going to leave. So why do we do these big things? He's going to leave. I hit about that seven-year mark, and it was a combination of this guy loves us, and he is here, and... Oh, apparently we were wrong. Nobody else wants him, so we got him. <laughs> and we hit about that seven-year mark going into the eighth year, and I remember the feel of everything changed. And and when the actual turnover rate in our culture is every two, three, four years, right, right. most people never get the joy of working through to that place where you hit about that place, and all of a sudden, you're the pastor, and no one declared it, but inside the heart of the church, things have changed. Yeah. Good word. So anyway, what I'm saying is these things don't just happen overnight. 
but I believe that there are some things that need to take place. So uh, in the notes that we did preparing this, um, I, I make that statement, you can't do this on your own. There is a principle at play, and you got to pay your dues to become someone worth following. If right. people follow leaders and not uh, plans, then you got to become someone worth following. So I'm going to give you all five, and then let's just talk about each one in succession. Sounds good. you got to make good decisions. Right. you got to love on people. Yep. you got to be vulnerable. Yep. You got to be honest. Yes. And you need to lead fearlessly. There you go. So let's just go back to the first one making good decisions. We just started by talking about making bad decisions. Yeah. So, how do you turn a bad the decision bad into a good one? Bad decisions I've made were decisions I've made all on my own. Mm-mm. In my own mind, they seemed really good. <laughs> and the longer I thought about them, they seemed even better. And a lot of times they're late at night. I'll be, I'll be up late at night doing something. Jill's already in bed asleep, and I'm watching infomercials or something, and I think, you know, that's a pretty neat... I wonder, and I get all these weirdy, harebrained ideas, and it was only after many years, and I went to Warnell Road Baptist Church, and God really in- instructed me to put some men around me mm. to feed into me. And so before I would just announce that maybe this is what we ought to do to the whole church, I would share it with those guys. Godly counsel. And they would go, yeah, yeah no, not so much. <laughs> That is a bad plan. That's a much. That's a much, <laughs> Clifton. Maybe not. And that that was helpful. So I think I think you make good decisions. There, there's wisdom in in a plurality of leaders. I think that's fantastic. So you start there on the beginning. Let's just say you made a bad decision. You can actually turn most bad decisions into good decisions if you're honest and just Absolutely. admit that. Oh, that was that was kind of a swing and a miss. And when I started, we started this podcast. I kind of joked about calling them experiments, but that's not a bad thing to do. Mm. I think it's very dangerous. You turn up if you're listening on <laughs> turn your headphones up. It's really dangerous to really stand in the same God's told me we should do this. That's right. I mean that I mean look, God has told you we need to be generous, we need to be loving, we need to love our neighbors, we need to share the gospel, need to love your wife as Christ loved the church. There's a lot of stuff we know God wants us to do. We Absolutely. have no doubt about it. But it was like God told us we need to add the wing on this building. What happens if the wing doesn't get added? What happens if, if 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 something comes up that we're not aware of? Absolutely. And and there's a pandemic or there's a flood and the building gets washed. What happens if any number of things happen? Well, you've just you've just really defamed the name of God. I, it, I think you got to be really cautious about that. And and other things, I, you know. So I just say, you know, we're we really feel like this is the direction that God mm. would have us to go. We're going to learn our way to the future together. We're going to be responsible about that. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, we're going to learn something from this process. Everything we do, we can learn something about ourselves, about God, about our community. None of our efforts wasted. That's it may right. not end up where we think it's going to end up. But even if we have, you know, decide we're going to have a bunch of backyard Bible clubs and no kids come. Well, that tells us something about the spiritual texture of our neighborhood. That tells us maybe we need to do something different. We didn't. It wasn't a waste of time. We learned something. But what about What that. did we get out of it? Yeah. What did we get out of and it? And that's the whole reason I wouldn't tell Fred. Yeah, that's what God told me to do because that's not what He had told me to do. I knew right. He had told me to move forward, where to reach the community, but I couldn't say buy a big. A. I didn't wake up with God saying buy a big A auto parts store. That's there you exactly go. what there. you need to do. Ended up being a good decision, but right. I, but that wasn't because uh, of any kind of spiritual prowess on right. my part. So make good decisions, and if you make them good up front in a plurality of uh, thought, or if you just have to redeem it by being honest and learning lessons from it, without the whole caveat like, well, it really wasn't our fault this happened. Right. No, it, right. just, it just happened. The second principle is love on people. We've already talked about this a little yeah. bit, but if you want to become that leader that people can follow, you make good decisions and you love on people. Find out 
all the widows and widowers in your congregation find out what their wedding anniversary is. Mm. And on that wedding anniversary, make sure you and your wife send them a little note and say, I know this is a difficult day for you. We're praying for you and thinking of you today. Mm. Things like that. Just be involved in people's lives and love on them and care for them and be with them. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter. A lot of old people are on Facebook. They put their stuff on Facebook. You find out you got some person on Twitter or Facebook, an older person on Facebook, that their grandchild's going through some trouble. Man, next time you see them on Sunday morning, just go up to them and say, Hey, I I saw about your grandchild. Can I just pray for you for your grandchild? Guys, that's what leaders do. That's it. That's it. That's it. And in a normative-sized church, you can do that. And let me give you one caveat to that, though. If you do that, which you should do, if you come up to somebody and say, hey, I saw that uh, your granddaughter was going mm-hmm. through this, I'm going to pray for you need to know that now you are morally obligated to continue to follow them because they're assuming... That's true. That is true. <laughs> that, that you're in tune with their life based on that. So th- th- there's a give and pull with that, but I think a huge way to love on people, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so make good decisions, love on people. Here's the third one. Be vulnerable. Absolutely be vulnerable. Just let people know that you don't have it all together. Mm. I always say, if you go to a church and the pastor says he has it all together, go ahead and find another church because right. he's lying to you. He doesn't have it all. Paul said, I see through a glass dimly. So, I mean, if Paul sees through a glass dimly, I'm probably not going to see it real clear on everything mm-hmm. either. And I'm going to make mistakes. I'm, I'm, you, know, I, you don't want to use your congregation as therapy, mm-hmm. right? You don't, you don't want to get up there and just cry on them and tell them how bad you are and what a <laughs> wicked person you are. But on the other hand, you want you, them to know that you struggle with some of the same things they struggle with, and you battle the same fears, anxieties, and difficulties. And, you know, I'm here. We're doing this podcast in Alpharetta, Georgia, right now. We're here for the heart of rurality. Heart of rurality. We're here in Atlanta (laughs) for some meetings. Well, when I first came to the Home Mission Board in 1986, I was about 25 years old. And um, very first day or two I was there, this older gentleman that became a good friend of mine brought me into his office. He said, I want to give you one word of advice. You're starting, you're, you're very young, starting a career in denominational life. Let me give you one word of advice. He said, own your mistakes. That's it. And immediately apologize. And even if it was, back then we had secretaries, even if your secretary made a mistake, don't ever blame her for it. Yeah. Give credit, take blame. To give credit, take blame. And I want to tell you something, man. Nobody ever gave me better advice than that. Mm. I mean, when someone say, hey, Clifton, what did you do with that report? Why isn't it here? I should have done it. I didn't. I, I apologize. That's on me. Yep. I just let that go. Man, I, I'm going to try to learn from that. I'm not going to do that again. They respect that a lot more than, well, you know, I, I thought I did that, and uh, I gave it to Christy, and I, I think it's on my computer. Don't do that. You're just right. own it. And if you make a dumb mistake at church, just own it. Own it and honesty sound like they uh, they go together, right? Yes. Um, be vulnerable. Did you know that as uh, we're vulnerable, we'll get to honesty in a second, uh, as, we get, as we talk about being vulnerable, the only way you can fall off a pedestal is if you let somebody put you there. Isn't that the truth? And so being vulnerable uh, keeps you from, when people try and put you on that pedestal, just don't. We, we joke that whenever I give an illustration in a message in which I did something right, I go, now listen, 99 times out of, 10, 99 times out of 100, I'm the idiot of the story. So can I have one where it's right? <laughs> and, and I hear this all the time that people say, I love listening to the sermons. I love church here because you're just like us. Yeah. 
And, and that what we want to do is we want to get away from the ecclesiology where the, the pastor is in some ivory tower up on a pedestal, because that's a long way to fall Yeah, it is when the reality comes. So that's being vulnerable. The, the next one is be honest, and yeah. these kind of go together. Uh, you kind of, the illustration you gave alluded to it, but being honest sometimes means uh, saying hard things, um, but even as you say those hard things, they got to be said in love, but still honesty is the key. Let me tell you where honesty... I mean, the heart of honesty is the gospel, mm. because the reason we're not honest is because we don't want people to think poorly of us. Mm. So I will shade the truth, be dishonest, because I'm trying to cover up some action I did that I shouldn't have. Or I shade the truth, or I'm dishonest because I want to imply I did something that I didn't, or that I was better at something than I really was, <laughs> or we had more people there than we really did. Why do I do that? Because I feel like I need affirmation, I need people to like me, I need to be well thought of, and the reality of it is the only affirmation I need is in Jesus Christ and what Amen. He did for me on Calvary's cross. And if I find my true, true affirmation in that, I can be totally honest with people and say, yeah, I messed up. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I over I overpromised on this, and I shouldn't have done that. And you go, ooh, man, what, they're going to think less of you. Well, they might. But Jesus isn't going to think less of me because I'm being honest, and he's never going to think less of me. Right. And my worth is in Christ, not in what my people think of me. Because if you live and die by what your people think about you, you end up feeding off your people rather than feeding your people. Mm, and that, that's an important word. I think uh, we just posted a blog out of the ruralpastor.com that uh, this is a quote from that blog, that if you live by the applause... Yeah. of your messages, then you'll die by the criticism. There you go. Same and thing. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Okay, and so one last part here uh, of these five. We're going to... How do you become that leader worth following? You make good choices. You love on people. You be vulnerable. You be honest. And then you lead fearlessly. And I love that. What do you mean by fearlessly? It means that uh, in my understanding of that, that uh, you're scared to death, but you do it anyway. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I was watching a... Uh, I was watching a World War II uh, movie, motion picture. I love, I love history, and uh, the, the the troops were in a very dire situation, and so one of the commanders comes to the captain and he says, "You need to tell your guys to stay and fight for another twelve hours before relief is on the way." And everybody knew relief probably wasn't on the way, mm -hmm. so the captain said, uh, "I'm sorry, these guys don't believe relief. Relief hasn't come before. They don't think it's going to come now." And he said, I'm, I'm not asking you to make them believe it's coming. I'm asking you to believe it's coming and that they see that in you. Mm. Mm. He said it better than that. No, but I got But the basically, yeah. yeah, if you believe it's coming, that's I'm not asking you to, I'm, to make 12 people believe it's coming. I'm asking you to believe it's coming. Mm. And then they'll believe it's coming. And that's the kind of fearless leader I think you're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like being on a flight and you've, that turbulence that makes your, your butt pucker just a little bit. Mm -hmm. I always look for the stewardess. Now, I see what she's is, doing. Is she okay? Because <laughs> if she's fine, I, then I'm fine. That's where we need to be. But yeah, to lead fearlessly. And one of the, one of the things that I associate with leading fearlessly is that we need to lead in gigantic ways. We talked about vision a while back. But if you're leading in something that your congregation can accomplish or you can accomplish, yeah, then that that's leading. But to lead fearlessly is to lead in the direction that only God can accomplish this. And yeah. there's something gigantic in the heart of people when they get a hold of a vision. One like of my that. favorite Henry Blackaby uh, diagnostic questions is, when was the last time in your church something happened that there's no explanation except that God divinely did it? Mm. Yeah. Yep, yep. Tozer said what? 
he believes that 95% of the stuff the church does today could do without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's that's not leading fearlessly. Right. That may be leading. Right. But we're talking about leading scared to death, edge of your seat, but believing in God and displaying right. uh, the faithfulness. And given the, con- the context we're in today, it's important for us not to seem fearful of the world. Mm-hmm. We are we are outnumbered. Let's be honest, and we're no longer the home team. We're no longer a neutral team. We're playing on an away court. I mean, mm-hmm. we really are. But not to play afraid, and not to play fearful. Well, we've got a, a a pattern that we're trying to establish of being the kind of leader that's worth following, because people will follow leaders and not plans. The five were this: make good decisions, love on people, be vulnerable, be honest, lead fearlessly. Let me leave you with this scripture today from Matthew chapter twenty, verses twenty-five and twenty-eight through twenty-eight. But Jesus called them and to him and said, "You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them." And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not only to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. That's the pattern for us, is it not? That's true. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We are looking forward to uh, what God will do in and through you and seeing you next time on the next edition of the Rural Pastor Podcast. Please like, comment, and share. Many blessings, my friends. See you soon. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope to that church on the corner of that forgotten little town to a room of empty pews where his love can still be found you may never know of all the seeds you've sown but it just takes one willing soul to make him Thank you so much for joining us at the ruralpastorpodcast.com. A special thanks to Chosen Road for this incredible theme music, to 180 Digital, our corporate sponsor, and you can check out both of them at our website as well as other resources because you're not alone. And Rural Pastor, we believe in you at the ruralpastorpodcast.com.